0: Hey everyone, welcome to This Guy Is Sick. I am Sam Valentine and today I'm being joined by absolutely fucking no one because I am all on my own. The reason being, last week was Chris's birthday party, so we didn't record an episode because we went out and we got drunk. I got so drunk that on the Monday afterwards, um, a girl came up to me and said, Hey, I remember you. You were buying a pizza. Yeah, you're cool. How are you doing? And I went, I do not remember you or getting a pizza at all. The only thing I could remember is I definitely lost my bank card. And I had to wait a week to get a fucking new one. So it was not a disaster. It was a fun night, but it kind of was a disaster at the same time. Then Weekend Just Gone was my birthday. So I turned 37. woo (laughs) It doesn't really work when I'm on my own, right? There's no one to bounce off. Not in that way. I know it's June, but come on. And basically, what you're about to listen to now, right, is... Uh, something I've been planning to do for the Patreon so let me tell you a little bit about Patreon I know everyone fucking hates it when they listen to a podcast and they tell you about Patreon Um, I've got three tiers Like one is just because you want to support you like the memes, whatever it is that we do Uh, you listen to a few episodes but you just want to throw a dollar another one is like a better one where you get some extra stuff And then the third one is also supporting me as this guy's sick and everything I do with Square Posting, the memes I make there and the guys at Square Posting and some of the content we want to do with Square Posting moving forward. So there are three tiers basically on there that you can sign up to and they allow you to have access to extra episodes. And this was intended to be one of the extra episodes, but it is going to be the first in a series of episodes that are exclusive to Patreon. So if you like a musical episode, which this is, um, then please subscribe to the Patreon for as little as $1 a month, and you will hear the the episodes as they come out. They're going to come out like every week or every two weeks or something. There's also old episodes from before we knew what we were fucking doing, so you've not heard them, most likely never heard them. And if you've never heard them, there's like 36 episodes. That I'm uploading upro- like... I, I was going to upload four a week, but I decided to do four a month because it's just a little bit easier on me and my time to be able to upload four a month. So four a month are going up on the Patreon, and they are older episodes, so you can hear how we started, how the crew came together, different people coming and going before we found our groove. It's actually quite interesting for me to listen back and go, fuck, man, I can't believe we've, gone, we've, we've moved quite far forward, right? Even just from a sound quality standpoint, we've moved quite far forward. So what you're about to listen to is a Patreon exclusive, but today it's not. It, it's on everything. And it is me reviewing Final Fantasy 1 soundtrack. So the original soundtrack, as it was heard in-game, not an orchestral version, not Distant Worlds, not someone's piano version, or the Black Mages, or Nobuo doing you know a grand performance somewhere. It is literally just as it was heard in the game. Because I think the fairest way to judge game music is to judge how it was heard the first time. So the first time someone put their NES in, and they played Final Fantasy 1, this is what they heard. So I'm going to be reviewing that version, and I know if you look all over the internet, there are different versions, there are extra songs, there are different names for songs, but I'm going off what they call the official, uh, what they've put on Spotify as well, I think it's the one they've got on Spotify. So what I've been listening to, or what I have been listening to when I was writing down my notes and getting in preparation for this episode, is literally the original soundtrack as it can be found and heard. Yeah, here it is, uh the Final Fantasy 1 soundtrack which is from 1987 and was composed by Nobuo Uematsu himself, the man, the myth, the legend. But he wasn't a myth or a legend here, right? So he this is his first Final Fantasy game. And that holds, to me, it holds a lot of levity as to uh, the man he would become and of things he would accomplish. And also what Final Fantasy as a musical genre, like as a game genre would do. I, I think it's very hard to find a franchise that has as many titles as Final Fantasy that also has such a fucking awesome back catalogue of songs. It's incredibly hard for, for any game to be able to do what they've done for, you know, since 1987 onwards to, to now and have like awesome bangers of tracks now some people could criticize the way i am reviewing these as they're heard in game because obviously as time progresses um games change right so and when the graphics change and the gameplay changes so does the music and the equipment available to them for example recording for 8-bit on a cartridge is vastly different from recording now with a full orchestra or a full band for say Final Fantasy XV or 7R, right? Yes. But I think that not only does the sound quality change, yes, can that come into factor on your enjoyment of it, yes, but also the composers change and the people working on the music change and sometimes that's not for the better, right? Sometimes Nobuo is actually, well most times Nobuo is the best that they have and have ever had and you could argue Soken because he's fantastic and we'll get to Soken at some point but today I'm just focusing on Final Fantasy 1. So the first track you hear of Final Fantasy 1 is the most iconic I think most iconic Final Fantasy track of all time which is the prelude In we've all heard the prelude it's in pretty much every game I think um, 13 does something different and I'll get to that when I do the 13 episode um, but it, this is iconic even the 8-bit version of it is iconic. It's it's an incredible tune. It brings back you know those feelings of nostalgia, not just from playing Final Fantasy One, but from playing every Final Fantasy. Like it is one of the most nostalgic tracks I personally have ever heard. Um, and while genres like bitwave, uh, chip tune, you know, are popular among hipsters, I will say that the prelude here. Despite all that, it still works and it still sounds good. Like, put that aside that there is a genre based on this. It still sounds very, very good. It's not my personal favourite version of the prelude. Uh, that goes to... I actually don't know what that goes to. I need uh, Maybe Final Fantasy 2. I enjoy that version a lot. So this gets a 7 out of 10. So 7 out of 10 for the prelude from Final Fantasy 1. The next track that comes on, it, much like the prelude, it's the opening theme to the first Final Fantasy. Fantasy and it is quintessential. So the opening theme is quintessential to the experience you're about to have. Um, It kind of reminds me of like a, not Star Wars in terms of musical, but you know when Star Wars starts up and it has the same song and you know what you're getting? I have that kind of feeling from the opening theme of Final Fantasy 1. The 8-bit sounds can be a little tinny in this one, I will admit that, but it's still an incredibly enjoyable song. I don't dislike it. There are other versions, like there are some sort of um, lo-fi versions of this, which I really enjoy as well but this version of it is not a bad track at all so if you like the nostalgia of it and you like chiptune and those kind of um, music genres then I can't see you going wrong with the opening theme of Final Fantasy One. The next track is Castle Cornelia. I, I know a lot of people love this track. Uh, it gets quoted quite a lot as one that people like. It's nothing special like to me. It's nothing special, it doesn't stand out. Um, it's a short track. It doesn't suffer with the tinny sound that you get from other songs on this soundtrack. Uh, it doesn't suffer with that at all, actually. But it is very repetitive. and I know it sets the scene, and it sets a feeling, and it kind of has that regal European sound to it. Um, I think it's on par with the opening theme, to be honest. I, I think they're very similar in the way that they come across. Maybe the opening theme is a little bit better, but then this doesn't have the tinniness, so they end up on par. So again, another 7 out of 10 for that. So now we move on to the main theme of Final Fantasy 1. And as soon as this comes on to me, it gives me a smile on my face. I actually really enjoy this track. It's uplifting, it's bright, it sets the tone, and it sets the bar as well for future games to have at least one track that isn't a mood killer, right? A track that's especially like an open field, running across the grass, um, you know, open world kind of exploration, mini-map type situation. And I actually really like this. I give it an 8 out of 10. I don't think it's a bad track at all. It does feel adventurous. It does, you know, what, what you have to understand is that Nobuo is doing, when he is composing for a video game, he's literally got, like, this is called the main theme. Like, that's just the name of the song. So he's got to think about the story elements. He's got to think about the gameplay. He's also got to look at, like, Dragon Quest has been out. So there are other games doing this at the time. And he's got to create something unique for Final Fantasy. And this is what he comes out with. So now we move on to the next track, which is Chaos Shrine. And to me, this is Nobuo Iomatsu at his very best. This sets the bar for everything great we will ever hear from him in the future. It's one of my favourites on this. Possibly my favourite on Final Fantasy 1. I'm not sure. I've I've got a few that I could interchange any time. But Chaos Shrine is a fantastic track. And it... It just shows you what he was capable of. So back then, before the legend grew, before we knew what he could do, we were listening to this, you're hearing what he could do. And I, I can't fault it. I cannot fault this track at all. Um, I'm going to have to give this a 9 out of 10, which is the highest mark I'll really give. 10 out of 10 is a very rare, rare for me to ever give because it means perfect. And everything can really be improved upon, no matter how great you think it is. Everything is able to improve. If it wasn't, we would hit a plateau. So nine out of ten for the Chaos Shrine, which is you know, again, as I said, just a fantastic track. So after Chaos Shrine, we have Matoya's Cave. So a little bit split on this one. I think this song has a fantastic opening and I but I feel it just slips into a jarring territory halfway through. Then it ends with that great opening tune again. So it's it's like a weird one like uh, the way it starts i really enjoy for the first maybe like 20 seconds 30 seconds of it and then it just becomes like repetitive um, droning a little bit and i don't i just don't enjoy it as much as the rest of the songs i but then after another 30 seconds it boom it kicks back into the tune that i enjoyed at the beginning so i'm not going to give it halfway marks i'm not giving it a 5 out of 10 i'm going to give it a bit more than that it gets a 6 out of 10 for me and I think that's actually quite a fair rating for it. The next one, I've seen this recently. A lot of people just raving about this track. And personally, I cannot stand it. And that is town. You know, I'm just not a fan of the theme. Because it could be replaced with hundreds of other RPG town themes. And no one would notice. If you were to swap this with a town theme from any other JRPG... You'd have a song that fits, and you wouldn't realise someone swapped them out. You wouldn't go, "Oh, is this from Final Fantasy? Is this from Dragon Quest? Or is this from Suikoden? Is this like it? It just sort of fits box standard RPG Maker style um, town music. Now, at the time, that trope didn't exist, but unfortunately for me, I've heard it so often this kind of style of song that it it gets a four out of ten for me. Some people are going to be angry, but I can't. I can't give it any more than that realistically, based on how it makes me feel. Now we're on to the next track, which is a really weird one. It's got that like kind of French fairgroundy feel to it. Um, it's called Shop. So you know what it is. It's going into a shop and buying things in Final Fantasy One. It's not a bad track, but much like Town, I've heard style. I've heard songs in this style from other games and Final Fantasy itself that are better. Um, so it's not my favourite version of this kind of style. But 6 out of 10 regardless, because it's not annoying, it's not jarring. It, it does set a mood of difference in comparison to everything else in the game. So it does feel different. And yeah, I, I really couldn't... really con- I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to say any more about it, to be honest. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little track, but that's what it is, a nice little track. So now, we move on to a song very much like the main theme uh, that I quite enjoy. And it has like, it's kind of uplifting. And that's Sailing Ship. And it sets... The tone for the aquatic travel. So that that was my notes. I feel like a cunt for writing that down. It sets the tone for aquatic travel. What kind of Balland writes that as their notes? Me, obviously. I do. I I write that. Um, It's a good song. It's a nice track. 7 out of 10. But it does fit what you're doing. You know, like when you're playing the game and the aquatic travel, as I said. It does fit that. And um, yeah, 7 out of 10. It's not bad. So the next track is... Sunken Shrine. 8-Bit honestly doesn't do this song justice. The, the other versions are better. But as I said, I I may even get round to doing them too. Like the Equestral versions of these soundtracks at some point. Um, as well as all the other Final Fantasy games. It is very repetitive though, Sunken Shrine. And it can get annoying when you play the game. And you're hearing it over and over and over and over. But on the flip side, it does feel different to the songs we have previously heard because of the setting you've now actually kind of been lo fied down dinged down a little bit with the soundtracks and it's like a dinginess to it and it fits what you are doing in game at the time so again above middle of the road better than a five out of ten it's a six out of ten for drunk uh, for drunken that's me i am in the drunken shrine literally and that's what we call the studio um but it does set the theme of what it's trying to convey very well we now move on to one i really really don't like um and you know i confess it right off the bat dungeon as the theme is called is not my favorite track at all on this um it's it sounds like a headache so if you were to take a headache and put it in a bottle i know that could be considered alcohol but that's the you, you don't you're not getting headache straight away. If you did, we wouldn't drink. Literally if you went, Oh, pass me a beer and you went opened it and the first thing you got out of it was a headache. Oh fucking hell, put that away, you've given me an headache. You wouldn't drink it. The headache comes after. Um This is just not a nice track to listen to. Dungeon is not a like it's like that whirly horrible sound to it. I know it is meant to put high stakes like, oh shit, bad things are happening. Um but yeah, it's just a horrible fucking track. I, I do not recommend anyone listening to this ever. 3 out of 10 for this That's that's quite low Outside of the high stakes bit Which it does add I, I can't give it any praise So yeah, 3 out of 10 for that Menu screen is the next track I'm 100% positive That this is the music you hear When you're in a coma So when you're in a coma The menu music from Final Fantasy 1 Plays on repeat The entire time you're in like Elevator music just on repeat over and over and over and over it's another three out of ten because i really just cannot vibe with this this at all it like i said one was a headache in a bottle. now after the headache the coma has arrived and it's menu uh, or menu screen as it's called now we move on to a good track it's actually a banger of a track easily in my top five for this game you know without fail um And it sets the bar for other versions or other songs similar to this that come out. This song is called Airship, which is obviously about the airship, when you're flying on your airship. Um, As airship songs go, as I said, sets the bar. Ian is going to chase this feeling on every airship song he does in the future, and it's great. You know, he always plays homage to this track when he does create the next version or, you know, another version that's to do with, it's not aquatic anymore, it's not aquatic travel, it's aero travel, yeah, see? continuity 9 out of 10 so here we are with mount golg and honestly this is one of my favorite opening opening moments to any final fantasy song of them all the the opening to this is um is great is it repetitive yes but no part of this song is annoying so it shows you how you can do a repetitive tune without actually making people go fuck me i'm sick of hearing this um, and as I said, the opening to it is fantastic. I could listen to the opening over and over and over. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. I, I don't think I've got anything bad to say about this track at all. So, next we have Flying Fortress. It's quite different. It's not what you would expect from a song called called Flying Fortress, to be honest. If you ask me, it reminds me of like a swamp or a forest. You know, like in Streets of Rage or something. Oh, I've got to fight through a swamp. This is what would play. However... As it is a bizarre choice for Flying Fortress, um, it does fit with some of the enemies you face because this is this, this area's got loads of really cool enemies. So you can get you can level up quite a lot here as well, and um, you face like vampires, mind flayers, golems, these weird mech things and stuff. So the music fits that, fits the enemies you face more than it's surrounded. Well, its surroundings are pretty weird as well, actually. But it, I feel, I feel like it feels like a swamp music. Like Swan Pass, which most listeners to this podcast probably have right now. So, have a bath. So now we move on to battle. Honestly, I do not like the battle theme of Final Fantasy 1 at all. I find it tedious, especially the amount of times you fucking hear it during a playthrough. I'm positive, I've, I'm positive this song just gives me PTSD. I've got PTSD from hearing the battle theme of Final Fantasy 1. I, I have to give it a 3 out of 10. It's just not great. The PTSD has taken over, and I'm like, oh, fuck me. This could actually drive me mad hearing this. So quite a low score, 3 out of 10. The next one is called Victory. And listen, you know what I'm talking about. Just by saying it's Victory from Final Fantasy 1, you know what I'm talking about. Now, we, as Final Fantasy fans now, call this the fanfare, right? And I cannot rate this tune negatively at all. You know, the amount of nostalgia I personally have linked to this, um, and its many variations over the years, are through the roof. Is it my personal favourite version of the fanfare? No. Uh, However, it is a fucking great version of it, and it is the first time we hear it, too. So, we have to know that this this lasts throughout all of the games, game 13 aside, because 13 does... Its own thing for some reason. Yeah, like honestly, it's through the roof. My feeling, my feelings for this are through the roof. But because it's not my favourite version of it, I'm going to give it a seven point five out of ten because it isn't my favourite, but it is a great nostalgic trip of a tune that we all we all know. I don't even need to say too much about this. We all know. it's like Chocobo theme. We all know. We we know what this. We know what I'm talking about. So now after. Fanfare, we have the end theme to Final Fantasy 1, which is very, very similar to uh, Castle Cornelia in many ways. The ending theme actually fits perfectly to the setting of Final Fantasy 1. It, 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 much like Castle Cornelia, much like the opening theme, they all fit that kind of weird European castle. Um, Sound that it has which is again it's showing you that uh, Iematsu while composing this knew what he was doing he had this thought in his head where he knew where he was going to go with the songs and how he was going to convey the songs and what the songs would be what scenes they would be used in how they would be used so I, I actually really like the ending theme I think it's better than Castle Cornelia to be honest I think it's a better track if it, it fits a similar um I don't know what the musical term is, but similar theme, right? Similar sound, similar setting in your mind. But I just think it's just that little bit better. So this gets an 8 out of 10. Next on this soundtrack is Game Over. Words every gamer hates to hear, Game Over. Now, to be honest, there's Game Over songs and theme sound. Um, this one isn't actually too bad. I quite like it. You hear it a fair few times, but I quite like it. It's somber and sad, but it kind of fits perfectly again into, into the game. It fits that theme so well. It's a shining example of Ian Matsu's brilliance, because it's not a very long track either, but you know what it's conveying. It's you have you you have failed and you're sad and you're gonna get up and try again. It conveys that it conveys his message and the game's message incredibly well, and for that alone it gets an eight out of ten without it being also a pleasant sound, too. It's not a bad track. So, yeah, 8 out of 10 is a solid, um, solid track. Now, the next one's not really a song. It's kind of short, but it's on a soundtrack. It's the Save Jingle. But, you know, I've always liked it, because it serves a purpose to let you know that you have indeed saved your game. So, as you can tell from its name, Save Jingle is letting you know you've you've saved and you will hear it twice, because you will you will save once, and then, like any true gamer, you will repeatedly save a couple of times again afterwards, uh, just to make sure that you, that first save went through. Sometimes you'll start a second save slot, just to make sure your save is there, and it does work. So, that is it. That is the end, right, of the Final Fantasy One soundtrack. So now I've kind of got to give it an overall score. I think the overall score is going to be seven out of 10 based on what I've done. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna type this into a generator which, which does averages, right? So here is the score from the average generator. 6.575, so 6.5. So in my mind, I'm like, it's a seven out of 10, but officially on an average, it is a six point five out of ten, which I think is actually fair. Although there are songs on here that I rate a nine out of ten, there are some that I rate at a three because they are they are jarring, right? Even even if I try to set aside my feelings towards them anyway, my personal feelings towards like fuck me, I've heard this way too many times. Even if I set that aside, they're still not great songs, um, and they're still they they are still repetitive. So I think that's a fair soundtrack. I think that's a fair score. So. That's my review, right? 6.5 is what the Final Fantasy 1 soundtrack gets on average. I thought in my mind, 7 out of 10, 6.5 out of 10, so a little lower. And I, I want to see if you agree with me. I want you to listen to the soundtrack actually, hear what I, my thoughts on it and tell me your thoughts on it because I actually want to hear that stuff. You know the email, you know me anyway, Sam Valentine, you can find me on Facebook really fucking... And the page, this guy's sick, which you're going to have to search for at the moment because we are in trouble with Facebook and I'll get onto that in a second. But if you did enjoy this and you want to support the podcast and the guys via Patreon, you will hear more episodes just like this that are going to be uploaded to there. They're going to feature not only me... Some may feature Scott, because Scott is a musician. I think it would be really cool to get his opinion on music as well. Uh, some might feature someone like Tien, who may never have heard the songs before, because he hasn't played as many Final Fantasies as the rest of us. Some may feature Jake. Uh, Jake has like a great collection of <laughs> music from video games, and he's got a brilliant mind for it, so he's another one who would be great to have on. And some might just be me and my opinions alone, and that's cool too, right? So if you want to support this and you want to hear more... Then please sign up to the Patreon. Little, as little as one dollar a month, you get everything. Like everyone gets to hear all the content, regardless of what tier you select. You get to hear everything. You just get bonuses like follows on social media, uh, little Discord name icon stuff, like that kind of thing. And I, you are the people I come to first when I want to ask questions. You will be invited into chats and stuff with us as well. So there's all kinds of like different things that come along with it. But for $1 a month, you just get to hear bonus episodes and you get to support. And even though we're not the biggest podcast in the world, we're not bad. We we, we chart in France and other countries. We've, we've hit the charts. But... The reason why I have a Patreon is because I put, I personally put a lot of time and effort into this podcast. And the person who presses record on every single episode you've ever heard, bar one, is me. The person who does the mix down, who edits, who splices the sound together, who makes the sound volumes at an equal height while we're recording is me, uh, the person who then like I said, splices and edits it all together, uploads to all the platforms we're on, makes the artwork for each episode. So, you know, the cover art makes all the memes on the page, promotes, promotes on the Twitter, all that stuff. That's all me. And it's all so that I can reach out to people who I think would enjoy this and will get something out of it. And if people are enjoying it and getting something out of it, when they sign up to the Patreon, as soon as I hit get like an email saying i've got a new patreon or something like that i instantly go holy shit like people people are enjoying this to a point that they're willing to support it financially which then allows me more time to up my skills to be able to do more stuff to maybe even get a little boy in a little lad uh not underage just you know a little a little small little one that tm would die up um in to do this stuff for me at some point in the future you know once a week is 20 quid can you press record mix it all and send it to me you know that kind of thing um and other stuff in the future so it could even be paying someone a little wage um so yeah that's kind of where i want to head with it and that's what i want to do with this i want it to be bigger i want to do more and the patreon is how i get to do more i've got like a review site that i've bought that's not up and running that I want to get going so people can review get reviews of movie content and game content and music content or any kind of content that they want to see a review for without it being corporate mandated this one ticked all these right boxes so it gets a high score all this stuff I want to do it's all linked back to this podcast I just want to be I just want to be able to provide shit for you the listeners to enjoy and that takes time and effort and and takes money so The Patreon is the way to go if you want to help support that. The other kind of support that I'm really thankful for from the listeners and from the people adjacent to the podcast, you know, the guys in Square posting, you know, the guys that are kind of surrounding me, other content creators that I'm friendly with, is, as mentioned very briefly, Facebook are not showing anyone right now our memes. So for someone to see a meme right now on Facebook, I post the meme. Firstly, I need to post it on Instagram first and share it via the built-in structure to get past some of the sanctions they've put on the page. So an Instagram share to the page beats off, beats off probably, um, a couple of people in the Facebook office because they need it because they don't come a lot. They probably need to come They just need to have sex and get it out of the system. That's why they're so uptight. But basically, that gets past a couple of the guidelines. So I have to do that first. Then 12 people will see it. And then if 12 people like it, then maybe 30 people will see it. The page has got 9,000 followers. That's the other thing. We were at 9,700 likes on the page and almost at 10,000 on followers. And since I got zucked, as we call it, since I got banned for seven days a few weeks back we've lost 700 likes from the page we are almost almost on the edge of going below 9000 again so they've hit us and removed pe- just removed people because what facebook does is they think they think the page is bad and they think that some people react negatively to things that are bad so they just remove them from the page they've liked so they just take your like away go you don't need to see this because this is negative and bad and you don't like it the what they are claiming to be negative and bad they are 100% wrong on, and I will say this till the cows come home, Facebook need to have, and I'm going to do a video on this actually, they need to have a serious look at what they have on their platform. Like there are groups, right? So Facebook groups with the N word in the title, right? With the R word, which if you were to say on Facebook, right? If you were to say retard, right? On Facebook, you will get a ban, but there's a group called the big retard group right? And it mocks disabled people. And that group exists on Facebook. That's fine, but you'll get a ban for saying the word. Facebook is not consistent with anything it does. And to be honest with you, the things I see from Facebook, I saw one the other week, where someone said someone's name, and their name was like Margaret Ho, because their surname is H-O, and they got a ban from Facebook for saying the word Ho. Like, they're, they're, they're out of control. Facebook are out of control. What happened to me this time, why the, while the page is being banned, why the page is not showing up on your feed, why Facebook are sanctioning me and have sent me a warning. Basically, if I do it again, they're deleting the page. That is actually what they've said. They've also sent me a warning saying that we will not suggest or show anything from this page to anyone. So if it's showing up in your feed, it's because I've had to post it to Instagram first. And then people, people that saw it originally when it came through have liked it enough for you to see it. Because chances are you've not seen anything from the page in a long fucking time. Because this is what they've done. The meme in question was a fully clothed woman sitting on the face of a fully clothed man. I put the Lady D's hat from Resident Evil Village on her head. She's holding a controller and is playing Resident Evil Village. That was deemed as nudity and sexual activity by Facebook. Someone sitting on someone's head, right, fully clothed. That was nudity... It's absurdity that like you can literally post actual ass, like someone's actual butt cheeks, right? Someone's actual ass, and that gets banned. But the idea that someone is sat on someone else's face while clothed and a cartoon is enough to get a ban on Facebook for seven days. Um, other things I've had from them in the past are violence. I've got hits for violence for promoting violence. This was a image of Brock Lesnar throwing someone down the stairs in a staged. WWE event where Lesnar is throwing someone down the stairs it happened in the mid 2000s it is something that WWE can post, probably have it on their page the actual video footage of it but when I posted it it's violence because this is something I found out very very recently because they've done it with vaccines right so if you are negative to vaccines they've got a scale from zero to five Five being the worst, zero being the best. So if you say, I don't want a coronavirus vaccine, that's easy for me to say that fast, but if you say, I do not want the coronavirus vaccine, then you will hit a meter on this zero to five scale on facebook and the higher up that scale you get the more likely you are to have your stuff pushed away from people around you because they don't want your you having a say on their platform so they've done that with this and when asked there was a whistleblower who, who put all this out there not that any major news or media outlet has picked it up and shown you that this is what facebook do he said they already do it with other content they already do it with memes they already do it with political opinions They already do it with just everything you can think of, sexuality, everything you can think of. They have a graded scale. So someone like me who makes memes, right, who I like to make, I'd like to say I make memes from the middle ground. I like to say I poke fun at everyone. But Facebook itself has a meter of one, of zero to five on how toxic you are to their platform. The higher you go up that meter is the more strikes you get, the more content you get taken away, especially if you run groups and you run pages, it it starts affecting everything. And me personally, I'm probably in that five area, not because I do anything offensive, not because I do anything that you don't see elsewhere, because it happened, because they they make me, they make you tick a bunch of boxes, right? So by the time you've ticked 10 boxes, that's it. It's game over. You're gonna have to spend a year posting like really weak ass memes that don't offend anyone. Um, or cannot be seen as offensive to anyone, and then, and only then, will you work your way back down the ladder. Facebook themselves should not be the arbiter of fucking justice. They have incredibly bad business practices. When you look it up, they have abuse that has gone on in their the abuse claims, stalking. They've had, and that's in their own company. That's people that work for them. That's been covered up by their company. They've got all sorts of dirty fucking secrets, right? And then yet they want to judge you because you posted a spicy meme. They can fuck off, right? So I want to say thank you right now to everyone who's tried, everyone who has gone and clicked on the page deliberately to see the memes, everyone who's clicked share, everyone who's clicked like or left a comment on the most recent stuff, because I've not been able to do it there. I've been having to post memes in square posting instead, because the page has been irreparably damaged by Facebook, um, which damages my ability to get the podcast episodes out to people to show people I've got new content. It damages me as as a person because it just makes you feel shit when it's like, why is no one seeing this? Come on, Facebook, fucking pull your finger out. One day, Facebook is going to ban someone right? And it is going to result in someone's death. Now you might think that is a huge jump to make, and maybe it is a huge jump to make. But you have people out there who are incredibly depressed on these platforms that get a lot of validation. And I'm not talking about validation seeking. I'm talking about their friends on there, fucking nannies on there, their, their mum that lives on the other side of the country is on there. People that they don't have the phone numbers on are on there, right? They have all these things that are linked to their Facebook, whole friend groups that I know now, if I was permanently banned from Facebook, there are hundreds of people I speak to daily on there that I do not have access to outside of that platform. One day, if it hasn't happened already, Facebook are going to ban someone, and that someone is going to take their life because their depression is so low that you took their one window, their one window to friendship and hope away from them. And when they do that, and the media end up hearing about it and it picks up and takes traction. They're going to be sued to the fucking roof. They're going to be sued up to their eyeballs, right? They're going to be sued by every family member, the parents, the fucking girl, whoever, for doing it. Because what you're doing is banning people. You're removing access from people that they love and enjoy talking to. And that's what it makes me feel shit when they do it to me. Now, I'm not going to go and do that because I, I don't feel that way. But one day we are going to find someone who does. One day we're going to find someone who does. And hey, let's let's be honest. They can probably live stream it on there because they've done that already. So when they do, they'll wait for the 30 days are over. If you're going to kill yourself from Facebook, wait till your 30 days are over and live stream it on their platform. I mean, that's how ridiculous the fucking platform is, right? So it sounds like I'm angry. I am. But essentially, they've just damaged this podcast and this page by doing it. I want to urge everyone, if you listen to this, please, please follow me on other platforms. I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, but for some reason, the same memes don't get banned on Instagram. They get banned on Facebook. Fucking weird, right? The same meme, same company, doesn't get banned on Instagram, does on Facebook. We also have Twitter. The Twitter is at underscore this guy's sick. Instagram is literally at this guy sick. And just stay in contact with us that way because the... The problem with it is Facebook eventually is going to remove memes and shitposting from its platform. They've been slowly doing it for the past two years. I'm sure you've noticed lots of people that used to see memeing around just no longer in your peripheral. I'm sure you've seen lots of meme pages just disappear, groups that were big, 20 30,000 people in a group just go. Square posting got taken down for 24 hours or something the other week, and we had to say, well, hang on a minute, why? You know, we actually had to argue it because... It was just a meme shared from somewhere else, you know? So they do not want these communities to go, to grow. They do not want you to follow the people that are making you laugh and providing content you enjoy. They're, they're actually just downright trying to get rid of it. The only way you can support all the pages that you follow, all the meme makers that you follow, is to make sure you're, so, you're following them everywhere, right? To make sure that you never miss what they're doing because eventually they're going to be gone and you're never going to see their content again. And that is going to happen. So while I don't advocate Twitter, because it's a fucking cesspit of degenerates and assholes, you're probably not getting banned on Twitter for a face-sitting meme with a fully clothed people, fully fully clothed cartoon people. You're not going to get banned on Twitter because of an image of Brock Lesnar throwing someone down the fucking stairs, you know? I've never been I've never been banned for anything that actually breaks their rules. That's the worst thing about it. I've got some examples on the Twitter pinned of me breaking their rules of how i've broken their rules you know and you will look at it and go well how because on their scale it's harsher sentences for people on higher up on the zero to five so while that is a long rant about facebook and trust me i could do more i just want to say thank you to everyone for supporting me and supporting this podcast and supporting the memes and the page During this time where Facebook are deliberately trying to stop you from being able to support us. So my heart goes out to you guys. You're fantastic. Another little thing I want to add on the end here is some upcoming episodes that we have planned. Because obviously we have a little schedule going on. I'm not sure when the boys are going to be back in the studio. I think everyone's kind of like birthdays and stuff. has come up. So there may be another one of me on my own. Or there may be me and Scott or me and Tian or someone. There may be some episodes like that. But a lot of people are busy at the moment. But we are going to try and get more out. But episodes we 100% know we are doing and have scheduled in are as follows Gamer Mental Health so we have Gamer Mental Health we put a a message out asking for emails Uh, if you're listening to this please send me an email a question, or how you feel about your mental health and game of mental health, and we're going to answer it honestly. As people who've had to um, endure mental health crises ourselves, have had to overcome mental health problems, have had a, a, a myriad of different situations um, revolving our mental health and mental health issues, and and uh, even diagnosis and things like that, that we 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 cannot cure you of a problem, but we can tell you how we dealt with. With problems similar to yours. And it's going to be aimed at gamers in particular and gamer mental health. And ladies, you're slipping. I know we've got a lot of women who listen to this because you send emails about everything else, right? However, on the mental health, gamer mental health, I've not had a single message from a girl. Not a single one. I've had messages from men, non binary people, but I've not had any women send a message in about gamer mental health. Please, we'd like to hear from you too. So we've got. Game of Mental Health. The next one we have lined up is a deep dive, which is what's next for the MCU and Phase 4. As we know, Loki is about to air, and that's going to be a separate thing. So we've got Loki down as another episode for when the Loki TV series airs. But looking at the lineup, Eternals, all this stuff that they have coming out in the future of Marvel, how do we feel about Phase 4? What is Phase 4 going to be? Are they lacking after losing Iron Man and Captain America? Do people care as much about what's left? Um... Do they need to pull the trigger and get the X-Men and some big names, some big named characters back into the franchise? Or is it going to dwindle out? Are we going to see some problems with it? So that's going to be an episode in and of itself. We've got another episode on Invincible, the comic and Amazon Prime TV show slash cartoon that went out. And we're going to do a deep dive on that. We've got another nostalgia episode. Now, if you were to go to our Patreon, you will find out that there are nostalgia episodes from the past. We have not done one in the current iteration of Disguise Sick since building the studio. So we've got a nostalgia episode coming up. We've got a Mass Effect episode on the way also. Now that Legendary is out, we want to revisit Mass Effect. And as I said, we've got a Loki deep dive as well. So we've got a bunch of episodes on the way coming up. We also have one called Why Final Fantasy VII? Because someone sent us a question asking why me and Jake like Final Fantasy VII. So we're going to do an episode dedicated to why Final Fantasy VII is our personal favourite Final Fantasy which is going to air maybe in a couple of weeks or something. It's probably going to just be me and Jake on that one because uh, it was directed at us. And the question is such a, a not vague, but it, the answer is so vast as to why that it deserves its whole episode. So that's what's coming up. Again, thank you for listening to this. I know it was short. I know that you might not want to join a Patreon and, and you might go, oh, well, fuck it. I won't listen to any more. But it does help out and it does help me and it does support us as a group and as a team. Uh, to do more in future so anyway listen thanks for giving me your time thanks for giving me 40 minutes half hour of your time today please enjoy the rest of your week the weather's starting to get better everywhere Um, relax try and chill out have a good time from me to you peace